Well, hello. It is Wednesday, March the 9th of 2016. My name is Nolan Taylor. I'm Daniel Friesen. You're listening to Wittenberg Radio. Um, and as always, you can subscribe on iTunes or the podcast of your choice. WittenbergRadio.com is the place for past episodes. Twitter, you can follow us uh, to find out when that latest episode hits the podcast ether. Facebook also is a good place to find out what we've done uh, on certain episodes and certain episodes, all episodes. And WittenbergRadio at gmail.com is the place to send us your comments, questions, concerns. Um, I don't know. Anything else? <gasps> Whatever you want. We're still also pitching for a co-host for next year as well. We would love to hear from you if you are interested in becoming a part of the Wittenberg team as Daniel is leaving us. Uh, another one bites the dust, the graduation dust. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from you if you are interested in uh, joining me next year on the Wittenberg Radio crew. So... No experience is required. No experience. Dan will train you up with everything you need to know. I'll tell you everything you want to know. That's awesome. In just a little while, we'll be chatting with Louisa Hofer and Sam Clausen. They are the co-leaders uh, of the Peace and Sustainability. I almost said co-hosts, but that wasn't the right word. Co-leaders of the Peace and Sustainability Committee. They're hosting the Week of Watershed Solidarity here on campus this week. Can't wait to talk to them about all the awesome events that are going on there. But first... It's time for another Craig's Corner. Craig Newfold is a media student here at CMU. Also, uh, I always forget to mention this. You uh, were an original member of something called Blazers Talk Radio or BTR, uh, CMU's first and only sports talk radio show for a brief period of time. We were a big deal, yeah. For a yep. glorious, a glorious four months. Yep. No, you were eight months. You were in all that too, Daniel. Yeah, man. It was eight months. I made the jingles. That's right. You made the jingles. And Craig was the host sweet, of the show. Sweet jingles. And yeah. And they they talked all things CMU Blazer Sports, which was, that was a fun time. It was a fun time. That was probably one of my favorite classes of all time, as you, most people could probably tell. But um, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was great. <laughs> you guys were talking about grad before and geez, I realized I'm in that boat too. So <laughs> sorry, I can't go It's just dawning on you now. It's yeah. Now I, I just realized that whole I'm graduating. What is happening? <laughs> Whoa! Thanks for thanks for reminding me, guys. No problem. Yeah, <laughs> gotta get that. Uh, gotta get the hair hairs cut and all that stuff before. Yeah. Not, yeah no, see, no. now you gotta. Yeah. Sure. You're gonna have to shave. The, <laughs> As uh, well, you gotta shave. You gotta shave the playoff beard. Unfortunately, uh, for those of you who are keeping track of Craig's hockey exploits, the Altona Maroons were eliminated over the weekend in the Southeastern Manitoba Hockey League playoffs. They lost to Morden. Um, Third so, year in a row. Tough break. Third year upset. Losing to Morden. Yeah. Oh yeah, three years in a row. Three Look at that. Row. Yep. Yeah. So, Should have seen it coming. Well, I mean, gotta break the break the streak sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah no huh. one one could say I saw it coming, but was hoping for the best, I guess. So shoot, yeah. our question, our line of questioning for you today, Craig, is also in the line of hockey. Winnipeg Jets fans will have noticed a certain lack of a captain on the ice the last uh, couple of weeks. That is the result of a trade that the Jets made with Chicago Blackhawks that sent. Captain Andrew Ladd to Chicago, and um, yeah, a franchise player, well liked. What are your impressions of the, that trade? Well, I think everyone uh, coming into the season kind of knew that it was either we were going to keep Dustin Bufflin or Andrew Ladd. And um, personally, I thought uh, coming into the year, I figured at the trade deadline we might be able to get more for Dustin Bufflin in order to build towards the future, and we'd be able to sign Andrew Ladd because he's been. Our points leader for he didn't leave some points last year, but there were, or he might have. 
a bunch of years he's led us in points since we've come back and he's done everything for the community as a captain um so that was kind of my thoughts at the time this year uh dustin bufflin really excelled his in his abilities and kind of took his game to another level he was an all-star again this year and he just got named to uh team usa of the world cup uh which is a huge honor and and Andrew Ladd wasn't really wasn't really all there. I heard there were injury problems as well. But once we signed Dustin Bufflin, I guess the writing was kind of on the wall for uh, for Ladd. And you could tell it in his interviews. You could tell it with the players' interviews and kind of the GM. Even though they didn't say it, they kind of knew what was happening. Um, but he goes he goes back to uh, to his old uh, old team, the Chicago Blackhawks, which is I think really cool. He has another chance to win a Stanley Cup. And yeah, no, I'm super happy for him that he actually gets that chance to play with uh, play with Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, all those great players there, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, win another Stanley Cup. Sure. Um, you mentioned the rebuild a little bit. The Jets have not been as good as you know maybe we saw them last year. To put it bluntly, you know they're not going to get back in the playoffs. They're not going to. They're not. I just saw in TSN today we have a point two chance of making the playoffs. Point so, two. Yeah. So you're so you're saying there's a chance. There is a there is a, there is. We're not out of the realm of possibility yet. Yep. We are mathematically, you know, we're still there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Dream on. Yeah. Um, so what other steps do the Jets need to take in order to get back into the playoff picture? Maybe not this year, but in coming years. Yeah, in coming years. I mean, this year we took a huge step, the Winnipeg Jets did, in trying to develop uh, a younger um, or younger players. Last year we really made a push for... Um, like we had signed the likes of Yuri Tulusti, Lee Stepniak, these grit, uh, tough older guys that can could help push us into the playoffs. Got us into the playoffs, and that was a thrill. But it it was four games and done. So um, so I think this year we went uh, went back to the drawing board and and kept uh, kept the likes of uh, Nick Ehlers and Adam Lowry stayed with the team. Joel Armia has been with the team now for a while, and our whole Moose organization is filled with talent that's like. 23 and under pretty much is what it sure. is what it seems like for the most part and they're getting their cracks at it with uh with injuries happening um in the moose uh scott kosmachuk is making his nhl debut uh today that. so that's uh it's pretty cool to see that um that these young guys are getting the getting the chance and they're yeah each of these players are really really exciting to watch and that's it's actually been yeah really exciting as a jets fan to see see these players develop kind of in front of our eyes right now and trying to see yeah, how how we are able to build towards the future. So yeah, it's a, it's an it's an exciting time, even though we're way out of the playoffs. Do you think having a younger team um, makes the makes uh, the team more likely to be stronger role models for uh, kids who are passionate about hockey, or is that uh, does that make a difference at all? No, I definitely think it makes a difference when you watch. Um, like obviously the thing kids probably remember the most um watching growing up uh, watching hockey is the world juniors you get to see get to see the kids play and then you can watch your those young players develop and if they're on your favorite team then you can watch them develop for your favorite team and keep on going like that and that i think that keeps the drive for the game alive there that you want to strive to be like that player and i mean like a, a player today like you could love yarmir yager all you want as a young kid but he's not going to be around for much longer although I guess I can't say that for a fact, but that's well, it's true. <laughs> he could play another thirty-five years easily. I mean, I want to say you're foolish for saying that, but I can't because I don't know. <laughs> oh dear, Yarmir Yager. For those who don't know, is a what is he? Forty-four. 
43, I 43. believe. Practically a dinosaur. He is pra- Well, by NHL standards, he is essentially a dinosaur, and yeah. he is still a very productive player. He's still scoring goals, and he just Actually, kept third uh, all-time on yeah. the list now. Just the other day. Behind he, Gretzky and Messier. Messier. Yep, he just broke Gordie Howe's um, record for third, third in points all-time, so... Pretty cool. Good for him. It's crazy. Yeah. He says he uh, has achieved longevity by drinking Diet Coke. That could <laughs> is be he sponsored by them. <laughs> I don't think is so, but I'm not surprised if they do knock on the door. Like, oh man, uh, Diet Coke. And there's one other thing. Like some other. Like he, he doesn't Diet Coke as a diabetic. That just is music to my ears. I think maybe I'll live. That yeah, long. there you go. Yeah. See, we got to prolong that hockey career. Yeah. The Maroons will have you. The 50 year old Craig Newell oh, no. anchoring the D line for the Altona Maroons. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, thanks for coming in and chatting with uh, about the about the Jets. And thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, me, yeah. Guys, Craig's I mean. corner. You got to read it in the on PeminaToday.com, or you can check out the Red River Valley Echo if you are so inclined as well. I have washed my hands in the water of reconciliation, and they are warm, people. And it's all at the behest of our two guests today. This week marks the Week of Watershed Solidarity at CMU, a week of awareness for water conservation and heightened consciousness about our water usage. This week is less about the political lines. You're going to stop me if I go anywhere straight here, right? They're nodding at me. Uh, It's less about the political lines of, of borders and more about the land that we need to be in relationship with to create sustainable living. At least this is the advertisement they're putting out on their Facebook page. They're looking, they're gonna clarify this in a second, I think, but we're gonna push on for now. Uh, this uh, uh, this week of Watershed Solidarity is being put on by the CMU Peace and Sustainability Committee who have planned numerous events for this week, documentary screenings, hand-washing demonstrations, and a pledge of solidarity, among other things. But right now, the heads of the Peace and Sustainability Committee, Louisa Hofer and Sam Clausen, join us here in studio. Hello. Hello. You're going to clarify something that I said in my intro. I think it was in around the political lines. Uh, so I'll read my sentence again. Nolan's very self-conscious about his intros. Well, oh, you know sorry, what? It's Nolan. just, that's okay. No, that was good. That, that was, was good? Really good? That was yeah. good? Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's been so much talk around water this year, and a lot of it has been spearheaded by... Uh, you and your committee, uh, Students for Freedom Road being the most noteworthy of these efforts, of course. What inspired this week? What inspired this further action around around water? Well, the Week of Solidarity is something that has become an annual tradition for the Peace and Sustainability Committee to put on. And our committee this year decided that since we had been talking so much and been involved with the Show Lake 40 Freedom Road initiative, um, that we would continue with that work but right at the beginning of that we had been aware we had been learning that Shoal Lake has been on a boil water advisory for just about two decades but 18 other communities in Manitoba also don't have access to clean water so at the very beginning we had thought we would like to talk in a broader conversation about it and this seemed like the opportunity to do that Mm -hmm. and to expand it from not just talking about drinking water but um, flood waters and um, and the water f- that we use for electricity and all the different ways that our water use um, has had harmful effects on land and communities. What and I think what helped it kind of evolve more into that framework is um, that a few members of our committee began to sort of reflect on the notion of watershed discipleship that we'd all become aware of. Um, I personally read this article by Ched Myers last year, oddly enough for my Anabaptist beginnings course, hmm. 
um, I guess just for a journal review. Um, and it really kind of inspired me to think about myself in terms of how I was a part of the watershed and how I was connected to people through, um, you know, through the water that flows in and out of my life. Hmm. Um, and like the notion that we are literally the water of Show Lake 40 um, and that, yeah, you know, it also goes out of the pipe as well. So um, I think that framework has been a helpful one for reflecting on on water issues. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for those of us who may not be aware of the term, what exactly is a watershed? A watershed? <laughs> um, it's been a while since I've read this article. Um, and I suppose what we're doing this week might not necessarily pertain to this particular watershed. Um, but by the way I understand it is that a watershed is sort of an area of land that is all like mutually kind of connected into sort of river basins or water drainage basins, mm -hmm. sort of that sort of thing. So like that I think occurs often these days um, when you see it in Manitoba with us being like a flood plain pretty much. I think sort of what our watershed means has become sort of this thing that's been tampered with by humanity. So for instance, the fact that we're getting water diverted towards us and that's affecting our social relationships. The fact that we're having diverted, water diverted away from us and how that's affecting people that we're in relationship with, with we might not necessarily know. So I guess maybe talking about our watershed isn't necessarily how we've been sticking to it. Cause I, yeah. We haven't been talking about our watershed in a technical way, but yeah. in, uh, I guess just a, a more general way. We haven't looked into yeah, it. Yeah, more right. so into the social, like the social connected part of it, which is the part that Chad Myers definitely stresses sure. in his, yeah, in his work at least. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes that makes total mm -hmm. sense, and there is still a, a lot of uh, diversity in the way that we talk about our, like we're talking about actual different types of water here. We're talking about floodwaters. We're talking about um, drinking water. We're talking about all these different things and how each of those can affect. And it looking at this uh, line of activities, uh, it certainly seems like we're covering the bases. Uh, mm -hmm. for all of those different things. I'm going to take you through a bunch of these uh, activities. We uh, Last night, or I mean Monday night, uh, you screened a documentary um, um, in the Marpec, I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about, um, well, first of all, how was it? How, how, how warmly received was that? It was, it was good. It was a, a small turnout, but a good group of people. I had not seen the documentary before, and it w really impacted me because... Um, it focuses around uh, Fort Chippewan, which is in Alberta, and the, f the latter part of the film, which I, I had heard about, is about um, the t how the tar sands in Fort McMurray area have, tra um, the, the pollution from that has traveled upstream and affected um, with carcinogens in, in the water and, and that kind of thing. But the first part of the film was about the WAC Bennett Dam um, on the Peace River in northern BC, which is an hour away from where I grew up, and um, that when that dam was built in the 60s, it um, reduced the flow of water to this part of Alberta, and over the years, um, multiple lakes have dried up, and the, um, the trapping of muskrat that used to be 
you could basically just reach out your hand and grab a muskrat. Um, now they have surveyed like l- large areas it's like of land, 560 miles, with and you didn't no, find a single muskrat. Not a single muskrat. Yeah. And so, and right now, um, there's a 8.8 billion dollar project for another hydroelectric dam on the Peace River, which is something that's very close to home for me, and it's going to flood some of the best agricultural land in BC and um, the government, the provincial government has gone ahead with it, has sort of um, turned a blind eye to some of the assessments and supposed consultations with the First Nations. And um, it's just a very devastating project to me. I don't see how it could be stopped at this point. This is getting a little bit off of them, the Manitoba mm-hmm. side of things. But anyway, so that's why the documentary um, meant a lot to me. But mm-hmm. I think in, it, it was able to bring together um, how our water usage in for industry um, can affect the water usage for people's individual daily lives and forces people off of living off the land. Um, and basically they have to work in industry now to, to make a living and support their family. We neglected to mention before off the top what, what, what the documentary actually was called oh. if people oh. actually want to check it out. One River Many Relations. <laughs> River so River. even that, that name itself, I think, very much you know, fits in with what we've been doing this week. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, moving through the week's events, uh, we just came from a uh, reconciliation chapel that we had. And uh, and a hand washing demonstration, yeah. which is, uh, which is there's a, a number of stations I believe set up across across campus, so you can find those. I believe there's one upstairs in the Marpec on the second floor, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's one here just outside of the chapel. So I can attest that the water is in fact warm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so okay, I, uh, we're just okay. We're gonna start off. We're gonna start off uh, with the with the chapel side of it. What was what was the focus of the reconciliation chapel? Well, it's, it was the second of three um, Lent chapels that they're doing uh, Lent as reconciliation. We didn't have a huge part in it, um, but it just tied in really nicely with mm, our yeah. with our theme. So um, Deanna Zansig shared a wonderful meditation about these very things, about how our relationships as people and our relationships with land and our relationships with Creator are... I, I think that... W- in our culture, we think of them so much as separate, and we just separate all, all things. And we're, um, I think, her voice is one voice that's encouraging us to bring those back into community and relation, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they are. And if we, when we fail to recognize that, we we get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think in, I mean, at CMU, I think there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of times that you come across how how harmful that disconnect is. And I think with this whole Shoal Lake issue, we realized how harmful it has been that we've had a disconnect from turning on the tap and thinking about where that comes from. So this, this hand-washing exercise, I think, was sort of this last-minute brainchild of a friend of, on our committee, Rebecca Penner, to sort of say, like, okay, are you going to wash your hands in this reconciliation issue? Are you going to pledge yourself as a part of this kind of grappling with it are you going to wash your hands of this are you going to say nope like wash my hands of this not my problem in a similar way that Pontius Pilate washed his hands of the the trial the conviction of Jesus 
um, which again brings it back to our relationship with with our creator with our savior um, when we and Deanna brought this into her meditation when we are doing harm to the land and doing harm to our neighbors we're doing harm to Christ and it's um, so I think that this this hand washing exercise tried to bring that into the conversation as well mm-hmm. absolutely um I'm going to issue a challenge for both of you right now. Uh, for those who may not be able to participate in the uh, hand-washing demonstration throughout the week, using uh, over the airwaves now, how would you describe um, the proper way to wash your hands? Describe a proper way to wash your hands. Um, like you mean like the way you get most Like clean? say your ABCs? Say your ABCs. I like, I honestly don't do that. No. I just like... I, I get the soap on there, rub the oh, soap good. on, then turn the turn the tap on and scrub probably for only about like five or six seconds. Good. I do all. think, I, I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but I do think that washing of hands, washing of dishes, washing of clothes can be prayer. And so um, maybe one way to answer that question would be to say that... Um, this is this is more that I was, I was going to lead into this, but okay. this is, yeah. this, you're, you're so perceptive, yeah. Sam. <laughs> I was more so just. You're, no, that was I was exa- yeah. really the answer, exactly the yeah. answer I was looking for, and then mm-hmm. Sam just read right <laughs> Sam into it. Like, Sam just went right there. No, we're getting philosophical here. <laughs> well, right it was perfect. <laughs> but no, well, I guess for me, a lot of my life, I've found it really difficult to put words to prayer, and so I've kind of inclined to finding ways of praying that are more embodied, and so that I don't have to struggle so much to find words. And my hands, um, I think. The, the touching of whether it's a plate or you know your, your your laundry I think you can I think with your hands you can kind of um, it's hard to it's hard to put into words uh, you yeah. know mm-hmm. but um, you can be present mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the way that your your body is interacting with the material that is um, holy because God created it and called it good and uh, I don't know if I can say more than that. But <laughs> I think it's up to every person to um, to take that challenge and and find um, in themselves how how our mundane act can can be sacred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To find this sort of presence and this sort of intentionality in our day to day living, it's 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 very uh, striking stuff. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, Sam. We talked uh, we talked a little bit about the um, the hydroelectric projects uh, taking place in BC and there's also a presentation on hydropower coming up a little later on in this week. Um, what can you tell us about that presentation? Um, Ellen Cook, um, she will be coming with Will Braun who is kind of our liaison for being able to meet her. Um, I actually encountered Ellen Cook in a conversation at the Millennium Library that was occurring over water issues already. Unfortunately I never got to meet her um so i'm pretty excited about that um but she also did another presentation at cmu earlier in the semester talking about hydropower a sad sort of clean so it's sort of uh talking about how in manitoba i know i often see these commercials put out by the provincial government that kind of depicts this kind of cartoon-esque uh utopian scene of how hydropower is is creating power clean power for our our communities um Ellen Cook, unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend her her presentation here at CMU, but in her conversation at the Millennium Library, 
Um, I'm excited to hear her story uh, that talks about how hydropower isn't as clean as we maybe uh, make it out to be. So I think she'll have sure. a lot to say about that. And how we've heard mm -hmm. it uh, just now about Sam detailing yeah, that with, project. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, different context, same same problem absolutely yeah. uh, this one's really interesting uh, last mm -hmm. week on the show we interviewed uh, rachel kraus and she was talking about the new environmental studies major that's coming next year mm -hmm. um a lot of great things in that major especially in the in certainly uh talking biologically but um it was striking that there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of talk about renewable energy uh classes mm -hmm. at uh cmu i mean not that we talked about really um so what would you uh, what would you like to see in terms of um, in terms of like a renewable energy sort of um, an education here at CMU if there was I'm not sure I've never thought about that to be honest yeah, okay. yeah. I haven't either um, I think it would be good to be educated about the like what what makes one form of energy clean um, over the other? Um, like I know from some of my research about the, the Site C Dam in BC um, that, you know, you, you're you using the water that's already flowing, right, to produce your energy, so it, might, it must be good. But when you, you flood all that land, all that vegetative matter starts to decompose um, under the water, and then that... W so it's producing methane gas, and then that water is going through the turbines, and so that methane gas is getting released into the atmosphere. So you're still producing carbon emissions, or you know, greenhouse gas emissions rather. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the complexity of of those kind of things, or like wind energy, that you know, what it, what about this? What are the pros and cons of of wind energy? Um, so that we don't all jump on a bandwagon thinking that something is you know, oh, this is the right way to go without knowing really what we're um, promoting, I guess. Also questioning the amount of energy that is needed. Mm. Something that we talked about a lot with the divestment conversations. I, Cheryl Pauls, I think, was the first one to mention this when she met with our committee as well, is I think you are missing a big point when instead you're focusing on different types of energy or for instance boycotting a certain type of energy when you're talking about divestment and you are like that is not a faithful response unless you are thinking about why is it that we assume we need to consume so much you know consume so much energy mm -hmm. that yeah not totally related to energy mm -hmm. but something i started to do this summer i was just becoming really aware that taking a hot shower every morning is a real luxury that most people in the world don't have. And so I started taking army showers where you just turn on the water and then turn it off while you do all <laughs> your sudsing and all that um, to try and make my be more conscious of, of the luxury. And I wonder how many other places in our lives we're so used to things that we don't think of them as a luxury anymore. Um, but maybe maybe we really need to scale not maybe we really need yeah, to scale yeah. back our yeah. consumption and and how we think about what is enough yeah because right now what we think about as what is enough is is not mm -hmm. okay thinking about what is enough thinking about in what ways those are connected to those down the line yeah yeah 
I actually had a similar moment this morning as I was preparing for this interview, and I was I was like I was I was in the shower, thinking, okay, how am I gonna engage this conversation? How am I gonna do this? And I'm like, hang on, I'm standing here in this hot shower, and I'm thinking about how to save water, and I'm just standing here thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's really fascinating the the sort of consciousness that that mm-hmm. that develops, which it's um, you, it, I had hardly even participated in the speaker. Oh, and you've already made an impact, so. Kudos to you, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> um, Kudos um, to you. D- yeah. <laughs> well, or okay. Thinking well, more. okay. Um, so, what is um, if going to school here? What is an aspect of water awareness or um, water practice that maybe seem you could improve on? I think we could turn off the lights more <laughs> mm-hmm. and turn down the heat more. Uh, that was something we are now part of this um, sustainable sustainability advisory committee. Yeah. Um, that the president formed this year and uh, we're starting to talk about um, how we can encourage and help the institution to change some practices. So one thing was said in that meeting last week that um, maybe there could be a practice that the last person in the classroom at the end of the day kind of turns down the heat for the night because it takes the maintenance staff like half a day, which they do before like Christmas break, to turn off the he- turn down the heat in all the buildings and so it doesn't get done all the time. Is that was my impression of what mm-hmm. that was I about. Think that's yeah. What, and yeah. so just little practices like that, or why do the lights in the bathroom have to be on when nobody's in there? Um, it's sort of what you expect in a public space, but maybe that's one expectation that we just need to change. And um, so, yeah, use of electricity mm-hmm. because hydropower is that's direct connection there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many there's so many connections here that we need to that we need to be aware of. And, and you started on this light thing. I was thinking, okay. I asked about water. Yeah, about yeah. And so, no, so it, take, it takes yeah. some training to get this to get into thinking. That, oh, yeah, this is all interconnected. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's really eye-opening. Uh, way, 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 way back at the beginning, we talked a little bit about uh, that. This is not just about drinking water. This is about washing uh, water that we wash with. Uh, just mundane things we use water for, including power, which you know apparently need to think about a bit more. Um, Thursday calls for something about flood water i'm assuming mm-hmm. we're chatting with um we're chatting you guys are leading a, a faci- <laughs> are facilitating this well, conversation I hope you're coming. oh absolutely <laughs> with merle ballard of uh, lake st martin a, a community which has a uh, a tenuous relationship with water to say the least uh uh first of all for those who don't know why uh, why are we talking with miss ballard at all um well one thing that even someone brought up after the whole show lake thing is which like which issues get attention and why um and one thing that did come come up i forget actually who brought it up but just the fact that there's still people from lake saint martin um who are living in hotels in winnipeg as a result of their land completely being flooded out um in the flood a few years ago by use of the portage diversion which diverts um waters away from these sort of urban centers um and instead onto into other lakes and i think there was the only thing i actually remember seeing on the news at that time is a bunch of farmers parking their combines in the diversion as protests, but that was the only mention of wh- why I heard of it being a problem. And then it was only right. about a year following that you begin to hear about Lake St. Martin, the fact they're all living in Winnipeg right now. 
like not in hotel in, rooms yeah in hotel rooms that are being managed by like a firefighters association that just doesn't have the resources yeah. to properly organize that mm-hmm. and so then they get evicted and have to move again yeah. and it's just been a mess and honestly the reason why it was like why we decided it would be an important thing as a committee is because all of us agreed we don't know about this enough there hasn't mm-hmm. been enough talk about this so we're I think we're all just going into it with a posture of listening rather than really knowing what is going on or what to do about it or mm-hmm. anything like that. So. so just a listening time with with Merle Ballard yeah, on, on, yeah. on the and, effects. And possibly some other community members from Lake St. Martin will be attending as well. Yeah, haven't heard yeah. that yet, but possibly. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah. But I think it's got it's very similar to the Shoal Lake um, question in, in a lot of ways because we in Winnipeg have directly benefited from what has directly harmed this First Nation community Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of, yeah, they got totally flooded out. We didn't. Yay for us. (laughs) Not so Mm -hmm. much for them. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, it's, I I don't know enough about that issue to, you know, I, I think there was a lot of, there's a lot of statistics that go into these sorts of decisions and not always considerations of, like, the social implications. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so it'll be good to do some more learning about that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. I remember hearing the the words poop and holler bend for a lot of the time last. That was the the diversion that they made Mm -hmm. um, at that point. And thinking, oh, like, you know, it's a funny word. It sounds sounds kind of goofy. What what do we care that it's broken? But it's amazing the impact that it has. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on Friday, we have, uh, so so you see the words collaborative, art project on a chapel uh, on like on as a as a project you can't help but feel a little curious uh is it is this project a surprise or can you give us uh, a hint at what's coming which is more vague for like still figuring out what the hell we're doing yeah um yeah well we have two rain barrels i can say that much and there will likely be some sharpies for people to sign names on these rain barrels mm-hmm. mm. and down the road there um is hopefully going to be a day of painting the rain barrels um in collaboration possibly with some elementary school kids from shoal lake so i think that's as much wow. as i'll say right now because it's, st- it's still all in the works but it's looking like it's probably going to happen um right at maybe right after classes are over something like that so yeah stay tuned for that but there will definitely be uh no not definitely hopefully on friday yeah (laughs) we'll see if we can get our stuff together yeah absolutely um there's also a pledge of solidarity involved with this um with the activities on friday um what 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 are we pledging and um how are we being held accountable to that pledge as we leave the week of watershed solidarity that question of accountability is is a good one. Um, as far as the pledge, the act of signing your name uh, to this project as a project that we as a as a community, there's been a lot of different people involved with the whole Show Lake Forty conversation. Um, so in, I think it's like pretty symbolic that people would be signing on to that project, um, mm. along with thinking about all the other ones that we mentioned. Um, as far as accountability is concerned, um, I know that 
the like the advisory committee for sustainability is going to be thinking about ways to make people more aware of similar types of you know issues and and practices and how um how we can all be thinking about that a little bit more so hopefully this is just a, a taste of our school being able to um you know think about think about that more and more hmm. yeah absolutely mm -hmm. well we are very much looking forward to all of these events this week and uh thank you guys so much for uh a for putting this on and b for coming on to talk with us about it here today mm -hmm. yeah. thanks for thank having you us very much of course yeah. sam clausen and louisa hofer are the co-heads of the peace and sustainability committee the week of watershed solidarity continues throughout this week there is an event on facebook you can go check that out as well for more information about this week it was really awesome having uh, Sam and uh, Louisa here talking to us about uh, Week of Watershed Solidarity. And uh, thanks to Craig as well on uh, Craig's Corner earlier on in the show as well. So here are the things that happened and are going to happen on campus this week. Uh, this uh, The sports season wrapped up. The MCAC sports season has wrapped up this weekend with the futsal action. Women's futsal went all the way to the final. They defeated ACC 6-4 in the semis and then fell in the final to Red River Five three men's fell no, men's futsal fell in the semis to Red River five two, and that wraps up sports for the Blazers this year. So that is that's it's all done. It's all done. Uh, so now we got to look ahead to next year, and um, maybe we'll have a, a recap show with all the the athletes we interviewed at the beginning of the year coming up in the next little bit. Also, so something to look forward to there on Wittenberg as we talk to uh, various various athletes about the season. Um, what else? A little tease for an upcoming event at the end of April. It's a little ways away, but there are plans in the works. Conversations happening to make a combined soul intuition with the George Herberts concert to occur sometime you at the end of it. April. A little sclusy here. You heard it here first. Oh my gosh. What so a... look forward for that. My head's already spinning. That's going to be a crazy night. Um, if you're looking for other community events uh, this week, you should always check, of course, always read that CMU Daily email. Um, and, of course, if you want to know more about the Week of Watershed Solidarity, that is uh, all up on Facebook as well. It's a Facebook event. You can, uh, you can check that out there as well. So, if there's nothing else, I think we can wrap the show. Oh, take time to read the uh, Student Council uh, nomination bios. Oh, I gotta, I gotta get mine in. Learn about Oops. learn about who's well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's important to get it in on time. Um, I think it's actually on my. I might already be late. Take time to read those bios and learn who you're uh, electing, potentially electing for various positions. Mm -hmm. Get to know your future student leaders. Absolutely. And with that, we're going to sign it off. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Wittenberg Radio, Facebook also Wittenberg Radio, and wittenbergradio.com is the place for past episodes. Subscribe on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. Email us your comments, questions, concerns, interest in becoming involved on the Wittenberg Radio team, wittenbergradio at gmail.com. Did I miss anything in there? No, that sounds great. My name is Nolan Kaler. And I'm Daniel Friesen. We'll see you next week. See ya. Wittenberg Radio is a production of CMU Student Council. The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests are not necessarily those of CMU Student Council.